0: Welcome, everyone, to Episode 29 of the Equal Life Podcast, your home for esports, entrepreneurship, education, entertainment. I'm one of your hosts, Marcus Howard.
1: And it's me, Derek, a.k.a. Mr. Dope Work in the building. Is it just us two this week, Marcus?
0: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Chosen had some uh, internet connectivity issues on his end. And Red is actually in Las Vegas this week. So it's just going to be kind of a AMA, you know, we're just going to chop it up this week.
1: What you got this week, man? A bunch of things are happening. It's been a
0: long week. Yeah, definitely. Um I, I've I've had some some shade thrown my way about the book. Um, I don't know if you saw on LinkedIn. I'm not gonna name that person's name. You know, I will call out brands, but I won't call out people. Uh that's not true. I did call out Delane last week. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in in all fairness, what's that kid's name? That's not even kid. We're live. Wow. Uh <laughs> Ollie, not Ollie. But what did he say? What was it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What, what he said was, you know, I made a post about uh, how I was feeling in the space um, as a black man, having struggled through venture capital for the last 10 years, struggled through not being hired either in gaming or esports over the last 10 years and having to overcome that basically by building my own table, built my own platform, scaled the 40 countries went and did equity crowdfunding and raised 55 grand and then you know, just talking about like I I also saw a lot of scam in the space, and so being trying to hold the space accountable and leading by example, and so whoever I, I'm not going to say his name because I can't remember it, uh, but this person basically said like it's funny that you're talking about scams in esports when you're trying to sell a hundred and twenty five dollar book that has no notable names in it, and then he put like the laughing emoji face. So I responded back to him. I said, "There's five thousand dollars of licensed." Proprietary consumer research in the book. So even if you didn't want any of the rest of the book, it's already worth at least the $5,000 from that licensed content, not to mention everything else is in there. Obviously, your thought leadership's in there, you know, great people in the book, great companies in the book. So I just thought that was interesting that because this individual didn't see kind of mainstream esports represented in the book that A, it's not worth Him spending one hundred and twenty-five dollars on, and B, because I was charging one hundred and twenty-five dollars for this three hundred-page book, hardcover copy, coffee table book, that is a scam.
1: Would you consider them part of the ecosystem, though? I I think that also speaks to the challenge that uh, the esports and gaming industry has. Is is almost as if nothing is valid unless it it's something that's mainstream. As if there isn't grassroots workers and thought leaders and real businesses, small businesses being built and startups in space. That's That shows that that individual is either not in the industry or they have no respect for the work that's actually being done within the industry. And why would that respect not be there? Because it's the gaming industry and and we're not valuing the the efforts that are putting into it.
0: Well, I think part of it, and I I have to apologize to the ecosystem, because when I made that post, I made a kind of a a broad stroke statement that said, with some notable exceptions, basically the entire esports market is a giant scam. Uh, I still believe that to a varying degree. I, I think there are a lot of great companies in the space, but there, when I say a giant scam, I mean that there's scams on multiple levels. You've got these teams and startups, esports orgs that basically are leveraging the global market to pitch the opportunity for their local market when most of the global market is actually in China. So, the numbers, the, the viewership, the dollars, those are in China. Those don't really transfer to like here in Tampa Bay. It's not right. the same audience. Right. And it's it's disingenuous to say so. Right. Just like I, I spoke to two different individuals last week. I won't name their names because they said some stuff to me in confidence. Uh, but one of them worked for a major team. And he remembers specifically or that person remembers specifically that a brand came in with a three hundred thousand dollar check to sponsor a logo on a jersey. And then like right after the check was cut, the team said, all right, back to business as usual. And they didn't put the team to put any effort into trying to convert value back to the brand who cut them a $300,000 check. They just kept it moving. And then someone else was telling me that basically the Atlanta ecosystem is he's this person said that using the word lie to describe what we see from the outside of Atlanta would be not strong enough. So it just speaks to there are scams happening in this space again at all levels, even in higher ed. And we've talked about that. I'm not going to rehash last week's conversation. So I I don't think it's unfair to say that there's a large part of the ecosystem that is a scam. You know, we've got this a year and a half ago, what 12 to 15 billion dollars invested over the five year period and only like a billion or two billion, maybe three billion, like 20% returned in revenue. That's a 70% loss. Like Mm. The only ways a lot of these companies are staying afloat is that they're kicking the can down the road, raising additional capital or an eight figure loan until they can go to the public market. So I'm done with that rant, but I agree with you. I think that that unless you are mainstream, you don't exist in esports.
1: I think also the industry is. So I understand your wording of using scam, but then I also think scam, um, has the connotation that you're saying people are purposely trying not to uh, add real value to the industry. And me and you know that based on the individuals and the associates that we have in the space, there's a lot of work getting done. Like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. people that are staying up late and man hours of crunching numbers and trying to make uh, whatever they believe their lane, their business, their brand successful in the esports and gaming space. And I think in doing that, there are a lot of individuals that have done whatever is needed in order to hopefully make whatever they believe about esports and gaming a success. Whether that's adding to their pitch deck that some League of Legends stats, even though they know they don't plan on doing any League of Legends activations with uh, the money that they get from esports. But because those numbers and those activations sound good because that's mainstream esports and gaming, um, it's used as the, I don't know, is the the trophy or, or the, the metric of success? And that is a scam because we know that as much as me and you know about esports and gaming, we wouldn't be able to put on the size of a League of Legends tournament here in Tampa Bay without like substantial resources, not just because you do a League of Legends game or because you say it's esports that is automatically going to blow up to that. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done from a grassroots and community building part and aspect that you can't put in decks because you're talking to people that already don't understand the space, uh, don't understand the value in the space. And so if you say, oh, we have the potential to do this thing if you give us all of this money because of X, Y and Z. That doesn't sound good. Versus if you say, hey, look at brand A, B, what they were able to do with their viewership and the numbers here and yada, yada. And like, oh, OK, here's the check. And and I think that's the challenge of being in the industry where the people that are actually boots on ground are trying to convince people that don't even participate in the industry to participate and provide resources. It's a disconnect. Right.
0: Right. And again, so that's why I take back some of that statement. Cause I know to your point, there are a lot of people, men, women, like people in general, just doing a lot of heavy lifting and hard work, especially the grassroots levels. So I don't want to paint them with that same broad stroke, but, but I guess what I'm seeking more to is really, what happens at the like uh esports observer level like the stuff that gets reported in the news those those things that are big enough to get to the news right. that's really more what i'm referring to like you know optic gaming and envy in in my mind while they call it a merger i see it as a consolidation right, right. The, the, because in my mind i believe that a lot of if not most of the top the tier 1 teams are overvalued i'm not saying they don't have value that's not what i'm saying right. i'm saying that they are overvalued the same way you would see companies overvalued during like the dot-com bubble. Right. right? And as a result, because many of them are not profitable, um, you know, you can only raise so much venture capital before people want to start seeing returns on their investment. And I think what we're seeing is consolidation of these top tier teams in order to potentially follow like a phase clans plan and do an IPO where now you can take like the audience of envy and the audience of optic gaming combine them together and say like well if phase clan went there because what is phase is reporting like 350 million people in their audience the wow. closer you get to that 350 the closer you can get to that one billion dollar valuation well
1: how much how much of that is just organizations trying to make a success out of the thing that they're carrying so it's like i i've received all of this money um all of this hoopla and yet i'm still in a negative like i'm not uh, cash flow positive in what I'm doing if I just line the numbers up. What's a plan B before this ship completely crashes? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know what? We combine with this person or do this or as a way to keep the ship going. I don't consider that scam. I consider that trying to prove like there's some type of way where we can make this thing really make sense that we've all believed in for all of these years. Um And so part of me salutes that effort of
2: mm-hmm. trying
1: to uh, survive um plan B or plan C, but then also I look at it as it's also part of the problem of messing up the investment and the money and interest in the space. If if the high profile guys aren't doing it right, a bunch of money thrown at them. Then what's the little guys like us that's doing grassroots effort? Like, what can we do impact um, if the big guys can't see it from an outsider standpoint? Right. From an outsider looking in, that doesn't even understand the space. That's going to be their thought process.
0: And and you're right. I have to respect the hustle of of pivoting, right? Like I've pivoted my business. That's how I got into esports from, from indie games. So I I can't knock anybody from doing that, but it's, it's kind of the combination of of seeing this kind of being sold as, as a merger when, when, and maybe consolidation is not the right word, right? Right. So let's call it a merger, but if they're they're saying it's a merger, but it's, I think it's a merger be still because those businesses are fundamentally not profitable. And there are two things there. One of those is brands, and I just gave you an example from a couple of years ago, brands getting these six figure checks and not delivering value back to the brands, right? A return on investment, that stops future dollars from that brand's perspective from coming back to the ecosystem, which is particularly upsetting when like you and I and people that we know are like, you know, banging our heads against the wall, trying to get whatever few dollars we can put together. Like what that that event we did back in February, we had a hundred concurrents, Nearly a thousand people represented across four continents. And I think our total production budget was 20 grand, maybe 25 grand. And maybe not even that. Maybe. I mean, not well, even if, you that. Count,
1: if you count in everything that we've done. even Every, time, Everything. Yeah. Of right.
0: Course. Right. So when I see six figures and not just like a hundred thousand dollars, 200, 300,000. And then we're still trying to figure out how we're going to get this next event funded. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to be bitter. I just I want if, if the money is going to go to these larger teams execute like at least deliver value for the brands do right by the entire little
1: guys when they're coming up they can really have a true case study versus smoke and mirrors that the smoke and mirror game might be done by time we even get to the table It's like well you know we tried the esports thing two years ago we did x y and z and we didn't get x y and z from you thank you but no thank you and you're out the door not even realizing that the industry has changed or the the lessons learned etc so there's a lot of value in the boots on ground. Like I don't I don't know why the boots on ground keeps getting treated as if it's it's not important part of the ecosystem, but it is the true I don't know pipeline.
0: And we we saw the same thing here in Tampa Bay, right? Well, like the esports summit. You and I got added to the and I'm not I'm saying that like we're God's gift to esports here in Tampa Bay or anywhere, but we know the ecosystem like the backs of our hands here in Tampa Bay, and, and we're not given the opportunity to at least help make events in the ecosystem more successful than they were without us. Right. At the very least, even if we weren't getting paid, we would, you and I have volunteered our time time and time again to help support the ecosystem. So when I see events get put on that don't end up achieving goals, when I know that we have the ability to help them achieve the goal, it just, it's unfortunate. And unnecessary
1: so that part of the industry is a a part that i also consider part of the scam of gaming and esports is uh, opportunities that uh, want to leverage the space and and get what it can from the space without truly contributing to the space meaning if you want to throw on esports tournament event summit or anything but the individuals that are in it and part of the ecosystem you're not trying to circulate those resources then you don't really care about the ecosystem from a true participation. And that's one of the things I've I've enjoyed about working with Beasley is that, yeah, they're big brand and big events and used to doing that. Right. But then they also have shown me that they respect that, Hey, we would like to tap into uh, that audience. Right. But we also know that in order to put on this event, that means there's got tournament producers, it got content creators. You have an ecosystem of not just the gamers that we invite out, but the support system around it to make this event. That needs resources so that, you know, the staff that I have can go back and say, Hey, I did a tournament, <clears throat> learned a whole lot about esports and uh, um, part of building it in its community, but also I got paid um, so that my time was respected and my contribution to growing that ecosystem was respected uh, because the head person, say Beasley was willing to provide resources so that it can really be done. Well, and- there's a lot of brands that don't do that. They just want to be like, Hey, we want to do this and how much of it can I get for nothing? With also the benefits that I receive from it. And that's not really trying to. Support. And there's a lot of we've that going around. That's scam to me.
0: Yeah. And we've seen a lot of that here in Tampa too, you know. And, and, and I'll, one of our colleagues asked me to stop being so pessimistic about, pessimistic about esports. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to highlight an opportunity for growth and then show how that has changed. You now, we had the same issue here locally with, with the team over at Synapse. You remember that three years ago, we were trying to help them put together an event. So they could tap into a younger audience into a more urban audience and they didn't want to put the dollars together to do what we believe was going to be authentic and really bring people into the door and and now as as you've seen like over those three years of having conversations and explaining them what we're trying to achieve we're now working more closely together and we think we can achieve that goal next year so while while there was a, a, a misstep there at least they've acknowledged it and worked with us to try to fix it so that everybody can win
1: agreed and and Sometimes those relationships take patience, right? Uh, and then mm-hmm. sometimes those relationships you get burned in the learning process uh because one side of the party might feel slighted that you weren't able to do what you thought or whatever they envisioned it would be, right? Not realizing that one, we keep saying Wild Wild West esports, like, I, and I keep wondering, just in the gaming industry, just as an evolution of technology in general, there's got to be some learning. There's got to be some like steps where you're like, oh, I thought this would happen. Eh, that didn't happen because X, Y, and Z now understand that and use that data to keep changing and progressing and growing. And, but if you're stepping into the esports and gaming space and you're, and everything that you do is you want to swing for the fences and, and be like league of legends status and numbers and views. And if it's not that it's a failure to you, you really are just wasting not only uh, resources and dollars, but then you're also uh, wasting uh, press release and and good case studies for the industry, because if you come in and do it wrong, everyone's going to say, oh, see, esports and gaming, there's no value in it because it didn't work X, Y and Z. Not realizing, well, client A uh, didn't put the right resources toward it, didn't respect it enough, didn't put the right uh, data uh, around it. Uh, uh, service provider A. Uh, just took the money only and only did X, Y, and Z route really being connected in the space to know what to do with it because they thought it was easier than what was intended. And now everyone is looking like, see, this thing sucks. I think that's what bothers me most about the industry is, is I, l- I look at the crash and burns from a learning perspective to understand the space because this is, you know, like we're all learning, but then also look at the crash and burns, like how many non authentic people are getting the resources to then make bad press releases about the industry um, because they were able to get a check, but they didn't really care about the industry or weren't really. So, therefore, those of us that are really in the industry can't flourish like we want to.
0: Yeah, I want to take a quick minute and give a shout out to folks joining us live on LinkedIn. Aziza, we see you. Uh, she said that that she had it. She saw a team, not she had, but she says we collectively. And the FGC had a team that was a pyramid scheme, so she saw it firsthand. Uh, Appreciate you, Louise, for for uh, talking about Envy. Uh, you said that you believe in one of the one of the few orgs positive. So you believe it's mostly uh optic and the weight that it carries on Call of Duty. Uh Marcus Monroe talking about Web3 creating opportunities that conventional VCs don't normally provide. And and I believe in that 120%. You know, when I started in the gaming industry, it was the same time I started in blockchain and crypto in 2013. And I always believe that blockchain with decentralized access to funding. Uh, where particularly for underrepresented groups, you don't have that in traditional VC. And and we've had several conversations, you know, less than 2% of venture capital in the US goes to black owned startups. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help this, this one brother who's up in Tennessee, uh, try to, to do his own token sale. At first, I was trying to push him to equity crowdfunding because I had some success with that, you know, 55 grand in three weeks. But I told him, you know, his company is in the gaming space. Why not just launch a crypto, right? And then... Sell the crypto, a token sell, leverage that to build his ecosystem and then decide if he wants to go the BC route.
1: So tell me as, since you're the blockchain crypto expert uh, between us two, tell me, is this an ignorant synopsis of cryptocurrency and even NFTs? I look at them now as music artists where like you can make this thing, but then you still need the budget and all of the media hype into it to make it the hype to get it to have the value that you needed to have in order to make more than what you put into it. So that these NFTs or um, even a cryptocurrency becomes talent for you where like, okay, can I make them popular where everyone wants to get out and grab this thing and then the value of it goes up or no, that's just too ignorant of a simplification.
0: I think part of that is true. I think it's kind of a insider's club now. Uh, people who've been in the space a long time—you have to remember, crypto has existed for 12 years. So when you see, in my mind, when you see these people selling for 69 million dollars and all these like big ticket items, because people have been basically stockpiling these cryptos that have uh, appreciated over time, and now they finally have a way to spend it. So I think you're mm-hmm. seeing like a disproportionate value valuation of of these digital assets. But but that said, because now everybody is jumping into it. That might not have been the case like 12 months ago but after nba top shot everybody heard of nfts and now blockchain gaming is cool where it wasn't you know four years ago so many people are in the space that in order to cut through you either have to have that connection to that inner circle of people mm-hmm. who've been in the space a long time or that budget right uh shout out to bruce bates uh, i think it's bruce Bates or uh, blockchain gandalf rather on, on linkedin he did an estimation of, of minting 10,000 nfts right for a drop he said it would cost you about a million dollars to produce those 10,000 NFTs because you have to pay transaction fees to create them. Oh, wow. So yes, like if you want to do something that big and it may pay off for you, right? Those, those drops are selling tens of millions of dollars. You just can't go do that by yourself because you need the money to pay the gas fees. So now there's a million dollar barrier to doing that now, or there wasn't a year ago, two years ago, five years ago.
1: So the, the, the ads that you see now of <laughs> create NFTs and make NFTs or, or 20 year old makes 7 million in NFTs in three months, et cetera. That's not as easy as it, as those ads make it seem.
0: That's right. Um I think, you know, it, it, those things happen. they are exceptions to the rule, right? You know, the same thing about the gaming industry, right? Like generally speaking, a handful of, of um, among us or fall guys will just, Break out and explode out of nowhere. But those games actually had teams behind them, especially Fall Guys. There were 20, 50 people in that team. But generally speaking, the average indie studio made in 2013 only made $500 of revenue a year. So that helps you understand like how much competition is in the space. The same thing is in the NFT space now. Everybody is launching these things and you can go to, to Fiverr now and get people to design your NFT graphics, right, for pennies on the dollar. So it's just so, so much happening where if you don't have that money, you just can't cut through. Same thing with Kickstarter. Like when it first launched, basically any indie developer could go in there and they raise 50 grand or hundred grand or a quarter million, like easy. But now like you have to go in there, not only with a community, but with a marketing budget, like a community is not enough.
1: Right. So it's like the new thing is easier, but then once everyone kind of catches on to the new thing, and then it becomes about how everything else is. You need a marketing budget. You need to cut through with PR and all that other hoopla stuff.
0: Yeah, the, the market's getting saturated. What else we got in the chat? With the eSports players.
1: yeah. Lewis says he would love to be on the podcast. He has a lot of experience dealing with bad companies over eSports. <laughs> you froze on me, Marcus. You're back, sir.
0: I'm back. I'm back. My internet connection is is not. No problem. Oh, you like you're about to go out again? Oh, so, I don't know what's happening. So anyway, um, yeah, if you want to bring some folks in, you know, I, I think this is we have an opportunity here since we don't have a full house. If some people want to have a quick conversation, I don't know if you feel comfortable doing that. You know, sending a link out or yeah, no if you want me to, yeah, post it in the chat. Some folks can just jump in and let's have a chat. I think it, you know we we definitely owe Aziza a, 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 her own episode at this point. <laughs> Shout out to Trinidad; uh, she was awarded recognized yesterday at the Blacks and Gaming Awards. So congratulations to her. Shout out to hip hop and everyone else recognized at that, that event yesterday as well.
1: So bring uh, Ziza, you want to come in? Okay.
0: Can you post it in the chat or you want to send it it to me? Oh, you want me to do it in front of everybody? Okay. No, so don't do that. Don't do that. Send it to me on LinkedIn. I'll send it to Aziza. Oh, am I connected to Aziza? I'm connected to Aziza. Yeah. You send it to me. I'll send it to her and then she can join us. Okay. Aziza, just a second. Got a link coming to you on the DMs.
1: You know, what's ironic about uh, the metaverse for me is the hoopla of Facebook changing its name and the little commercial that they put out like with like somebody at the table is a robot and the other person looks like this. And and I'm like, regular people are excited about this. It's like, oh, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be able to be inside this avatar and pick what you look like and have this virtual home. And, And I'm like. You do know this is what video games is is like. Like, the, like this isn't a new thing. They're taking what video gamers have been doing for years, decades, and now is trying to make it for regular people to come do without the uh, other aspects. Like, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, I think you know. I don't know if you remember Second Life. I think that was one of the first metaverses. Like, this is not new. It's not We're just new. Putting a lot of dollars behind it.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not different than gaming. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I hear the people.
0: She's in. Oh, I don't know. No, is she? Is she? No. You control the the lobby, don't you? Yeah. I don't see any pings yet. Okay, so aziz if you can hear us, I sent you the link in the DM or in your DMs if you want to join us for a chat. <laughs> let's See who else do we have here joining us tonight.
1: He said, "Lewis said he'd be down."
0: Okay, oh, She said well, uh, not ready today. Let me. Okay, it. okay. So another another time, another time. We need to schedule you in advance. <laughs> That's cool. That's important, Lewis. I'll, I'll send you the same link. You can join us on the chat. And while he's joining, you know, again, I'm not trying to always be pessimistic about esports. It's it's my respect for what I believe it can be that leads me to be so critical of it because I want it to achieve its full potential, right? So that means like fighting for these opportunities for people who don't have them, holding people accountable when I see things that, from my perspective, are are unethical or, or, you know, disingenuous. Because I've seen a lot of people say, like, oh, you don't call out teams. In my perspective, or from my perspective, if you you don't recognize or acknowledge that there's an issue, then there's no way to address the issue and fix it. So, like, if a brand does something bad, like, and maybe I'm being too harsh, but when I, when I do it to some folks, so I got to work on that myself, but explain to them what's wrong and then help them fix it. But that's not happening. So you see the same problems basically cycling over and over and over again. Lewis, hello you're in the building.
2: Hello. What's up, man? You live on the podcast. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love watching you. I've been watching you for some time.
1: Appreciate you joining in. You said you had some experience with uh, some bad sports,
2: <laughs> man. Yeah. Listen, I. I came. So, it's a little background about me. I was one of the first college students to get a full ride to go play video games. Oh, okay. So, I graduated so, playing video games. I played Overwatch. So it was a pretty fun experience. Wh- Got who's, to be the
1: main in Overwatch.
2: oh yeah, I played Tank. So Reinhardt okay. Winston. Okay. Ah, oh, I love the I love tanks. Now it was back then. Overwatch was coming out. Got to beta test it. It was pretty fun. Still have a lot of like relationships with uh, Blizzard, even after the whole situation over there um but yeah I've, i think in the last i say three to four years been dealing with companies trying to build my own actually built my own crypto okay. looking to do a couple of things on my own now because uh like a whole project we were doing in omaha pretty much the 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 group decided that hey you already gave us all the information we'll just kick you out now
1: We've been there. We've been yeah, there. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty
2: sure a lot of <laughs> esports guys have, have experienced the, uh, you know, we can just do it without you.
1: Yeah. So, Lewis, what do you think that is? Do you think that is a lack of respect for what you were bringing to the table? Or is it a, a lack of resources to support you at the table?
2: Well, I think they think they can do it on their own with just hiring an intern, and this happens a lot, even at the university stage, this happens, right? Where you see the, like, why do you think sports and universities are so good, right? Why do we have division one teams? Because the coaching staff, the school puts money behind that. Coaches in in real in NCAA schools, D, D division one schools, NFL, they're paying, they're going to be 250K, 300K a year, right? Agreed, agreed. Esports doesn't have that kind of thing yet. So it's 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 hard. Right. We're still as much as we've developed, we're still kind of in the Wild West in esports. It's not it's not there's no fundamentals. Right. The, the established there's no establishment that is governing stuff. And it's hard because it's not like regular sports where one, com- one company governs it all. You have to talk to 10 to 15 different companies. And every time a new game comes out, it's a new company. It could be a new company. So it's, it, it, I understand the difficulty of, like, the situations that have to occur in eSports, but some co- some consolidation needs to happen in eSports. In order to make it make more mainstream than it is now, it needs consoli- It needs consolidation. That's one of the biggest, like, problems eSports has. Like, a third-party group governing the tournament regulations or a third-party group governing uh, outside aspects of the company, right? For example, Rai has done the RSAA. And don't get me wrong, it's a good group. And I, I think it's a good group of people, but it still needs more than the RSA. It still needs a lot more than just that. And as we all experience, it's a lot of diversity issues, and they're trying to solve that now. Where back then it wasn't as big of a problem, but now we've seen that, yes, in a lot of these games, it is a diversity problem. Back then, having a computer was a privilege. We grew up in times where not having a computer. That's why most... Minority groups had consoles. We had video. We had mostly, for example, the FGC community, all of it, most minorities are playing Call of Duty and NBA 2K and the fighting game community, because that's what we were. Grew, we grew up in, in that environment. So switching to PC is a lot different.
1: Uh, do you, do you feel like as being a pro poster child of the first uh, scholarship recipient, do you feel like it worked out to your benefit? Like the, the journey you've been
2: on? I think um, as a, I'm I'm pretty young, I'll say myself. But I would say that a lot of growing up came from working with companies that, like, you learn from bad experience. That whole, the whole Omaha situation, the whole, I, I had the thing happen to me in Canada where I was in Canada. I was stuck out in Canada for six months oh, wow. doing a project out in Canada. And then I went to Omaha and got and it happened the same exact way. So having, like, these issues happen has taught me to and i'm not like bitter about the industry nor am i pessimistic about the industry it's just there are people there are people that are entering the industry that don't know the fundamentals of the industry but since they have the unlimited resources they can do what they want and those are the ones who really end up at the at the at the esports observer they end up at all the faces because they just have resources that people don't
1: so when you look back on those opportunities that didn't pan out how you thought it would relating to esports is there anything you could have feel like you could go back and done different and it would have had a different outcome or do you feel like it that's just how it was?
2: Um, I would feel that I would have better outcome if I played it more reserved. I was very open and in business, you should never be open. It looks like feels like you should play. you, You should hold your cards tight where I'm more of the community guy. I love working with people. I love interacting. I love, you know, we're working together on something. I would we'll be open about it. I'll be frank about it. But with business, that's different. When you when you're in the business world, you're it's really like you're your own wolf and you have to protect what you have. Because then your companies will just take it. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's how the how the in how business is done in the esports. I disagree. I don't like that model. I I think that's just it leads to bad outcomes. There are always going to be companies that are going to grind out that way and still make it. That doesn't change. But a lot of companies are going to be burned. They're like paving a, a pile of dead companies on the way to the top. And my my opinion is that I, I much prefer a, co- a cooperative and working together with people rather than having to hold all my cards really close to the chest and not play them, even though it will be better for the company.
0: I think we, we see some of that. I, I think you can see that more in more grassroots community initiatives, especially yeah. if there's a nonprofit focus to it. Uh, but we've seen both of what you've described, right? Like with TAG, Temple Association of Gaming that Derek and I and, and then several others work together to do, like we all work with each other very cooperatively. Like whatever resources that, that I get, I try to share with Derek and the rest of the group and, and vice versa. And that works out well for us. But at that same token, like I took a similar approach to... Uh, a group that was outside of Tampa that was up in New York and and thank god i i and we had gotten some paperwork drawn up because they did exactly what you described like we provided some introductions we had the paperwork that said now that we do this like we the rest of the relationship needs to look like a and they basically took a left turn and did like c d e f g and if we hadn't had the paperwork like, we would have just been rug pulled
2: yeah see like i'm i'm in new york right now so obviously it it makes sense I've I've been in Wall Street. I've seen like it, companies here. It's very cutthroat, right? You and you understand that depending on areas you go to, right? Like, don't get me wrong. New York still has a thriving esports community, and they love it, right? But but the, but companies take advantage of this, right? They they know you love it. They do it for the passion. You don't do it. You don't do it to make a profit. You're not a business major. A lot of these guys generally don't go to to like a, a Stern or NYU, right? So it's really hard to establish what your value is at young, but companies won't tell you that, right? They don't, they don't want you to know that in a, in a sense. Right. And that's kind of like what hurts a lot of these growing pains for people. Right. I, I building my own crypto on my own because I think it's just, I've worked with companies that already have like treating me like this. Might, might as well just build my own company. That was my, my end result. Now it's just, if I've learned so much in the past, like three to four years, even, even like dealing with the crypto and NFT side, I've dealt with all of this. I helped the company build their cryptocurrency. They took it went and did, they did a pre-sale on it. And then they, didn't, they just threw me off. So it's like, you know, you get used to these sort of things when you aren't familiar with business at this early stage. I'm happy I learned this early, though. I'm really happy I learned this like in an earlier time, because if I was like in my 30s dealing with this, I'd have a midlife crisis at 30.
1: But now, actually, do you like, think that do you think the industry should be more uh, patient and accepting of someone like you that is learning business while having the passion, or should we spit you up, like chew you up and well, spit it, you it out? Depends. So you learn. It,
2: it depends, right? Like you you see a lot of like better influence models on com- on companies outside in the West Coast. I've dealt a lot with companies outside of West Coast that have better like relationship status with. With like understanding the gaming community and understanding, we we have to also realize that the gaming like real real gaming like big events, corporate companies are now getting involved with it. Is because California is mo- like most companies are moving out of California now, so they're expanding across the United States. Before before probably before 2018, no company was outside of California. If you wanted to do esports like big esports like we're talking about within thousands plus, you're looking at California. You're looking at Vegas. You barely looked at New York, you better lo- you barely looked at anywhere else. So it's it's like a hard realization to understand you have to deal with these kind of things.
0: Luis, real quick, I did an introduction for you. Uh, and again, in, in the spirit of cooperation, um, there's a, a gentleman from Europe traveling to New York this upcoming week. Uh, I'll try to avoid saying his name because I'm mm-hmm. sure his travel plans aren't public. But uh, he wanted to connect with someone who was in esports in New York. So I just did that intro for you.
2: Thank you so much. But I'll listen. I'd love to be more on the podcast. I feel that I've had like a lot of ex- like me coming as a young guy. I don't know how old you guys are specifically, but I'm 24. So I've been, I graduated at 21 and I've been in the last three years. I've just been, there's been a lot of headaches and roadblocks that I think a lot of kids really need to understand if they want to come into this esports industry. And not saying it's bad because I love esports. I don't care. I don't care what these companies do because I feel like if they did this, they're going to fail. They're going to fail because they just don't understand it and they don't take the time to understand. They, they would rather pay somebody to do this. That's, that's the, a lot of the approach of these companies. And it's fine. It, they can do that all they want. But I think if kids want to go into these startup companies, they should know what their value and give them a foot to argue to companies like this that are, are exploiting kids to, to get their, 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 they're like company up and running for like pennies on the dollar when you're making three hundred times the profit while your employees barely making any money to survive.
1: Fair enough. Well, thank you, Lewis. I appreciate you stopping in, dropping in on us.
2: No problem.
1: No problem, man. You have a good day.
2: I'll
0: let you go. Appreciate See you guys.
2: Thank let you. It.
0: Yeah, Derek, you and I were having that conversation last week uh, about kind of the, the reality of, of esports and versus the promise, and, and it almost feels disingenuous to like get students and kids in general like hyped up about working in the industry
1: <laughs> I, I i didn't come away with a solution to that yet and
0: i just stared at the ceiling that was my solution yeah, just I, stared I, at the ceiling.
1: <laughs> i don't know um i will say like hearing stories like lewis explained it doesn't make me feel good about the industry because uh, Again, the value that we've talked about from gaming esports here, because of uh, his gaming skills and ability, he was able to get a scholarship, full ride. He said, right, full off ride, to yeah. college, right, off to continued education off of his video games, and because he had that pipeline of opportunity, it made him optimistic that that pipeline could continue by him continuing to contribute his authenticity uh by being truly in the space only to have the space use him and discard him to where what if he wasn't the type that said you know oh that was messed up um let me try again what if that totally defeated him from wanting to pursue or build or add value to the industry the industry would have just eliminated someone that was authentic a proven case study case model that could be used to truly show how the potential and opportunities in esports are available
0: and again, I think that's that's the benefit of, of being um, critical at times because I think you have to present a real opportunity so that that future Lewis's and and you know kids up and coming know what to look out for. Yes, there's all this promise and this opportunity, but there's some stuff you definitely need to keep your eye out for. Right, definitely, and I, I, I feel like
1: Lewis speaks to um, a gaming persona, anyways. I would imagine if. Think about it. If you're playing a game like Overwatch and he said his um, main was a tank, right? So you have your tank, your DPS and your support. You're talking about individuals that are trained up to be part of a team and contribute where they can contribute for the overall goodness of the team, which means that I'm sharing information. I'm communicating because that's the world that I come from, that the more information I'm sharing, like, oh, D was coming in from the right or I'm about to do my alter only to know that get into business because it's not a gaming world, that divulging too much information is now a hindrance on you and some and and, and affects you poorly. That's horrible, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's that's sad. That's that's the reality. Uh, More power to him, though. He's like I said, he'd rather have those those uh, unfortunate opportunities happen younger in his career, early in his career. And he'll be better and stronger for it. And I think, you know, you and I and others are, are as well. I, I might be a bit more jaded as a result. You know, 10 years is a long time to do that, but it, <laughs> I, it's maybe a better business person, a better teammate, you know, just a, a better contributor to the ecosystem.
1: So I've I've seen the way that I've grown in the industry, but I've also seen in ways that it it has made my patience a lot shorter versus before like, okay, this could be opportunity. Let me walk down the road with this individual to see this lead to opportunity uh, with resources to now where it's like, eh, this doesn't look like you're trying to leave me to any uh, resources. I, I'm good. I I won't reply to that email or, or I'll be a lot slower with providing whatever deliverables you requested. You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of my approach as well. It's just, it's, it's just a bit more cutthroat because especially in you're in the same boat, right? Like we're, we're hustling during the day to try to make things happen. Like I don't have time to be, waiting on someone like if, if they they come to me with some bullshit then i just like how to keep it rolling like right i just don't have time there's there's too much going on too many other projects it's just it's too fast-paced yeah i agree and and, yeah. and will that mean we missed some
1: opportunities because we didn't do that dance yes and and, I, and i'm cool with that now like i'm cool with oh you know what you should have danced with this person a little longer because it, it would have ended up somewhere like Sorry, you, you came to me during this part of the journey where I'm I'm starving and I'm sitting here eating grasshoppers and stuff right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about um, Beyond Meta. I know you've been actually leading that because I've been underwater with the book, but, you know, definitely we had a, a great event back in February. And what was it? Um, a thousand total attendees between between the digital and the on site. Yes actually one of the students who was uh, a virtual moderator for the college conference career expo piece okay He just sent me a message a couple of weeks ago during that training he actually bought some land, which is the digital currency inside of the central land okay and was telling me that he made he didn't give me the exact number, but he made a significant like a highly significant amount of gain out of that that he oh, would wow. not have had an investment if it wasn't for our event. Oh, so we wow. had like a specific impact on one young person's life because we, we did that entire experience.
1: Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. One thing I have recognized, man, and in, in, in the negative side of esports and gaming, I have a long list of uh, like wins, like for individuals that, Hey man, because I came to see you guys speak and talk, I went and did this and now I'm working here and doing this. And, and they're excited about a purpose and being within a new industry, et cetera. Like there's there's a lot of a lot of success stories, which makes me again continue to recognize the value and, and economic power and opportunity and all of it connecting and creating that pipeline.
0: Yeah. So hopefully we can get some more funding. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, it'd be the live stream or when it goes out to Apple Podcasts or whatever, you know, we we had sincere, meaningful. A significant impact on our local community. And it wasn't just the local community because it was virtual as well. So again, across four continents, and we did that on a shoestring budget. Like, I think I'm still paying for some of this stuff from <laughs> February. Uh, I, I didn't think that I'd still be working on that project now, seven, eight months later, but here we are. So if we, we had more resources, we could put like a full team in and, and we don't have to have like Derek speaking and also like moderating another room or like that. What we had to go through to put that event together was insane. It was cool as a story, but it was insane and we could do so much more if we didn't have to do all those other things
1: i would I would love to see what the individuals around us thought about us uh, What putting that on like I would love to see what my wife was thinking of the process and because uh, we were we were wearing multiple hats and i and I think wearing multiple hats because we value getting it done and we value staying committed to what we signed up to do um is noble but then at the same time it is an example of of not being uh where we should be in, in relates to the space. So if I if I look at like if you had ability to walk into the room and be like, okay, Marcus Howard is now is your turn to speak, uh intro with the mayor and talk and you didn't you're not letting people in the Zoom. You're not looking at the chat. You're not Making sure the camera is set up right, not making sure the audio is straight, not doing any of that, right? To see that compared to seeing someone that's who do you feel like will has the uh, more control of the situation or more of the impact, the individual that's not doing the work, right? You can be present. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely <laughs> and, that, and it doesn't it doesn't make us from a brand standpoint look like. Um, bosses in the space it look mm-hmm. we look like we're hustling and putting something together because we're trying to and because we have the ability to right like you can wear multiple hats i can wear multiple hats on putting together uh in order to execute but i think from my outside brands look at that and say mm-hmm. is he really controlling the space or is he just hustling this is just some little black guy that's just hustling doing some esports stuff because i see him over here uh fixing the zoom camera i see him over here uh posting on social media uh the in the caption like
0: right right
1: versus it being noble
0: Uh, and like impressive it's funny you say that i've had that same experience in my career the last 10 years like you know applying to different jobs and companies not appreciating that i had my own startup that that i've won all those hats like oh well if you didn't work at corporate like all this amazing stuff that you've done scale you're getting your platform to 40 countries organically generating 2 million impressions per month on twitter The, the the patents all of that none of that matters when did you do XYZ at Oracle? I didn't work at Oracle. Do you think that's own on company. purpose? Or is that an I ignorance? Don't, I don't know. I think because the system is designed to look for specific experience, like, and I say system, I mean, like, literally the digital system where it runs off keywords. Mm-hmm. I think business processes are evolved or, or accommodate that system. And so they operate in a way that, that is aligned with how the system works. Okay. Yeah. I
1: will say in my entrepreneurial journey, I look at it a lot different. Like before, before just corporate where you're like, okay, your resume, you did boom, boom, boom. So you're in this department and you did boom, boom, boom. You put that down on a list. When I got into entrepreneurship, it's like just saying you do that means that I had to do a bunch of other stuff in order to accomplish this. That like you should be able to recognize that, oh, you probably had to answer. You had to have business meetings. You probably had to put proposals together. You probably had to. Uh, Fill out paperwork, uh, balance line items, uh, time management, like all of those things automatically fit within that without needing to spell it out line by line in a resume as if I was working at a regular job. But but if you're not of that world, maybe you don't understand that. And, And you can only look at things from
0: a worker's mentality. Even this, this episode is a testament of that, right? Like we, we started about half an hour late because you and I spent half an hour trying to put together the live stream right. uh, at last minute, because we, we hadn't anticipated, you know, Red not being in here is our, our backup and, and chosen to have his internet out. Uh, but this this is audio video, right? This is this is tech support. Right. <laughs> in addition to producing, you know, co-hosting and 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 scheduling guests in the middle of the live stream. Right, right. <laughs> Lots, lots of opportunities for growth there. Um, are you still excited about the space? I'm trying to be. I, I think you know the best way that I can describe it is jaded optimism.
2: And, and if anybody else
0: wants to be, you know, a guest for a few minutes to jump on the podcast, let us know. We'll send you a link. But it's it's jaded optimism. I, again, I know that there's all this opportunity, but I also know my experience trying to achieve that opportunity. So I, like even when I spoke at the the Bridge to Life Career Corner thing for Broward County last week. I told them, here are the platforms where you can go and apply for jobs. Um, And I said, this one platform, again. I'm trying not to be as negative, this one platform has a lot of jobs on it, but I don't have a good working experience with the CEO of that company. And I feel like that CEO was untruthful. So I don't trust that CEO. And I've also had people of color tell me that they've struggled to land jobs out of that ecosystem. So while it is one of the most popular and most visible platforms to use, take that with these caveats. I'm not saying don't go use it. I, what I, actually, what I told them was use that platform to go find the job openings and then go back to Lincoln and go research people who are connected to those companies and build the relationships there because now you know exactly which jobs are being posted and available that might not be listed on LinkedIn. Right. So that's right that's kind of my approach now to the space. It's just like hacking around the stuff I know is systematically or systemically broken. And then some of that
1: is going to still continue to change and evolve as it goes goes along. So being in the ecosystem and actually, again, boots on ground with it is how you really get those true gems on how to pivot around the errors in the industry. Right. I feel like I, I lose some of that when it comes to the gaming industry. Like I understand esports and gaming from a media content operation side, but doing it in real life means that I'm, I'm not really gaming as much, and therefore I'm not um, like in the headset of really seeing what's going on and, and and what is the feedback in games, what is the feedback in communities, et cetera. I can. Assume it's just getting worse because it was, it was pretty bad when I was on there. Um, but again, I, I'm busy doing it for real or trying to do it professionally, that I'm not as part of the industry as I used to be.
0: Yeah, I think that's a double edged sword, right? Like working in this industry is kind of a dream come true, and especially in. In the capacities that you and i are and others if if you're having to work some other place even to even to make that possible now you've got another layer but because ironically because you're trying to build a company and a brand and, and a presence in the space you can't be a consumer anymore right there's not enough hours in the day you right. got to do one or the other so how do you balance that i play guacamelee with maddie <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a side-scrolling uh indie game I I just when she has time to play games I don't I don't play games that I used to play anymore because now I've got to consider her and and Johnny but I just try to get some time in there and and that's it like I had this delusion six months ago that I was going to go pro and knockout city and that is not going to happen (laughs) But I had to just make my peace with it and, and keep it moving.
1: <laughs> um, and at what point is that a challenge or a ding on authenticity?
0: I guess it matters until it doesn't, right? It's it's you know again to go back to the, the the book incident. I had someone basically question the validity of the people who were in the book because it wasn't you know the top ten most popular players from the top ten most popular teams. So I, I think it 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 will matter to some who can appreciate the balance that you have to put in to make that happen. And then those who aren't going through that journey won't appreciate it at all. Unfortunately, I think that's the reality.
1: Agreed. I, I, I found my way of staying plugged into the industry is like, I, I can't play as much, but I'm surrounded by, by young individuals and I listen. I listen to what they talk about. I listen to how they feel about situations. I, I listen to what platforms they're using, um, and their feedback. And that's how I stay plugged in on what, not just what I think about esports gaming in the space and the community, but what are the young individuals that'll be the next generation? What do they really think and feel about it? Because I know, even as a gamer, I'm not one of those twitch gamers. like I can't watch somebody play like i'm I'm really rather play, so i know I knew that straight from the beginning that that's not for me. I'm not of that generation that understands that and values that, but I'm able to recognize the value in it because I'm around individuals that spend time in doing that and they've expressed the value out of it, and therefore I can go and champion for it because I know real individuals that are benefiting from um platforms.
0: I wanna hear your take on this. I think we had a chance to chat it up a little bit before with, with Chosen and, and Red. Um, the announcement about Rihanna and the new show on Netflix with Riot Games, um, there's some kind of partnership. I'm not really, I'm still kind of fuzzy on the details of it, but I, I remember when I went to Twitter, when I saw the announcement it was posted on LinkedIn, I went to Twitter and like everybody from the culture was like, oh, this is amazing. We gotta go support this show. And And so I think good for Rihanna, You know, if you got the sauce, go get the bag. But where does that move the needle for the the gaming community, the culture in the gaming community? Because it's good for Rihanna. She's going to get paid some partnership licensing deal. It's good for Netflix because it's going to bring the urban community that supports Rihanna into the Netflix ecosystem, at least for that one show, that series rather. And then most likely it's going to be good for Riot Games because now that you've introduced this this uh franchise this this story arc these characters this experience hopefully some percentage of those viewers will then go and try the game but where does that impact those like the community the culture for that on the the other side of it because netflix is part of the tech industry and and generally speaking you know black representation for professionals in the space is low obviously it's low in the gaming side like how do We move the needle for us to create long-term value out of that, which is the same conversation we were having with uh, Sandbox when they had that big announcement with Snoop Dogg, right? They had the big party, uh, you know, they went and raised a hundred million dollars afterwards, but like, where do we fit into that puzzle? I I often look at
1: those activations or, or headlines and I think it's good for the culture to add to pitch decks and get other people interested, value the space, which I guess- Helps the ecosystem um, because you have some reference points that people can recognize and names that people can recognize. But I think on a lower level, it doesn't benefit the way that it should benefit. So let's use a uh, Snoop Dogg as for example. I chimed in on that post of where we're like, "Oh man, this is awesome! He's got his own little universe and he's making these digital assets." And and I walked around it and looked at those videos and I was like, "Oh, it's pretty cool." And I, I, I like I like the style of the art, etc. But I also understand that because there's only 2% working in the space, that means that the individuals that were put to work and thus received the flow of resources and revenue for doing the work on that were not of us. And how many of them were of the gaming space or, or uh, that ecosystem? I don't know. And I I think think that we can get excited about the Rihanna's and the other big name minorities doing stuff in the space, but research wise, how does that translate? Does that translate into diversity and inclusion? Does that help push the needle for a more representation or does it not?
0: So I I think one of the other, the most visible example I can see is NBA top shot. And again, for everyone who's been watching the show for a long time, I was like, the number one hype man for top shot right i put my money in i got derek and everyone else to and share the opening moments and then what i recognize ultimately is that nba top shot is kind of monetizing the urban culture but not feeding that back into the community like where are they spending dollars from they're not worth like seven and a half billion dollars how much of any of that you had that conversation last week you know but what's the right number how much of any of that's going back to the community because i still get the emails i didn't delete my account Cause I put money in like, right. Like, I'm going to watch my money. When I read the headlines, I can tell that it was someone in black who wrote the email heading, but like that's, that's the copywriter at the bottom of the tree. Right. Right. If you look at the or structure, if you don't call a tree or pyramid, or whatever, if you look at the top, you don't see any of us there. And ultimately what that means is that the compensation packages either don't have any equity associated with it or, or have so little that it's, it's almost meaningless. And then when those liquidity events happen, as a result, we don't get any wealth redistributed back into our our communities. Here's a a similar example. So I worked for a company for five years here in Tampa Bay called Minuped. They finally gave me equity like four years in. It was like, I don't know, some really small amount. And then the company got acquired by another company in in Miami and I became a redundant resource. So I was laid off. And because of the way that the acquisition happened, my equity actually wasn't even worth the paper that it was printed on, even though technically I was like employee number five there. Oh, wow. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not just saying it like hypothetically, like I've lived that experience. And I see that all the time, people always celebrating in Tampa. Oh, this company got acquired for a billion dollars and that company got acquired for a billion dollars. But like how many of our culture are in the places where that money, that acquisition turns into money back into the communities? Because that's really the only way I see it happening. Is that people like us who care get those funds and then we put the money back into the ecosystem.
1: So I was all in with you on um, NBA Top Shot once you gave us a little tutorial. I was like, oh, man, I kept trying to buy packs. I had the email notifications and and I could see the potential of it and I could see like, oh, this is the evolution here with digital media, et cetera. What messed me up was I wasn't getting packs uh, because they kept being sold out, which then made me want packs more because of that. Right. Until I think I received like an email blast or something where they had an, an actual event and I saw the photos from that event that then made me say, there's no black people. Like, Where are the black people at? We're, we're talking about most of these these things that you're trading is a black person, an athlete doing this, right? In the culture, the music, the colors, the style, and all of that. And to see a a photo where there weren't any Black people made me step back and be like, whoa, hold on. Somebody's able to print money. Uh, That's what they're doing. We're creating this. They're printing money for themselves that then is being distributed where? It's not just being distributed back to the individuals that are contributing to the culture and the phenomenon. I at least know that. Um, And so therefore I. <laughs> stop getting emails from NBA Top Shop and stop and stop caring about it because it's like why would I ultimately want to support this other than saying oh I can see how I can benefit individually from doing this um, even though I know that they're not really doing anything special that there couldn't be more diversity and inclusion as part of it. but we see that across the board um,
0: yeah it's that's nothing new that's yeah. just another example
1: yeah it's just another example and sometimes I feel like. That conversation is looked at as being pessimistic. Like, oh, but you can't just recognize like the awesomeness of that's going on without bringing in the diversity and inclusion part of this. Like, can we just celebrate this evolution of this technology or whatever without talking about that part of the conversation? And the, and my thought to that is always is, if we do it, how long do we do it? Do I celebrate it a week and then now we can get back on how can we uh, get more inclusion or do we celebrate it a year? Do I celebrate five years? Do I let 10 years go by? Like, what is the appropriate amount of time that needs to go by between an announcement to then figure out how can we make it better and enhance it uh, so that we're able to spread the resources?
0: That reminds me of a statement that the Mayor Kaiser made you know, when he gave the welcome for our event back in February that too often it's it's let's launch the initiative build an infrastructure launch the business whatever it is and then go back and like after the fact kind of retrofit it the the inclusion versus let's let's have the conversation in the beginning so that it benefits everybody right
1: but then also wonder like because of how technology is why are we even having an inclusion conversation when Technically, everyone can go and make their own thing if they wanted to. And so, um, if you don't like the way the thing that is created is being operated and used, and go make another thing. But if I'm trying to <laughs> elevate uh, because I'm not included, and therefore I'm trying to be valuable, be seen as valuable, um, being seen as successful, I'm going to participate in the thing that's already successful, even though it wasn't built or made with me in mind because I'm still trying to show value of myself versus trying to create something new from the ground up that thinks of me.
0: Yeah. It's it's kind of a lose situation, Yeah, <laughs> but, but there's always opportunity again, trying to stay positive. Um, I, I talked to one of the, the co-founders of black salt corruption. Uh, Owen, oh. I'm blanking on his last name, but I had right. a right. conversation with him. Yeah. 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 Uh, he, he wants to see if he could be a guest, or I invite him to be a guest on the podcast next week. Um, you know, he's he's doing what we're talking about in the gaming industry as as a game developer. You know, movie producer, comic book, like you know, the, the black creative. That's that's what he represents, and so I think he can provide a, a valuable perspective because we don't often hear that story. There are so few of us, even in the space that there's even less of us making our own games and movies. Right. And he also has the, the perspective of, of gaming versus film versus music. Cause he sold like 50,000 copies of his CD out of a trunk of his car or something like, Oh wow. He's, he's, he's hustled. He's a real hustler. He's, okay. he's lived it. Awesome.
1: What we got in the chat, man? Let's
0: see, um, Shauna Lee Lange says the partnership is supposed, supposedly going to highlight a diverse. Oh, she's talking uh, I'm missing part of this thread um oh no she's talking about the the uh rihanna the partnership's supposedly going to highlight a diverse beauty landscape let's hope that it is true and that by beauty we are not solely talking about the external so it seems that she's being uh, cautiously optimistic as well i've i just
1: feel like beauty beauty is a hard conversation anyways it's almost how can you have that conversation without bias and Mm -hmm. based on whose standard and metric. And I I think we put a lot of emphasis on beauty. Um, But then we criticize the young ladies or individuals that's on social media that's doing the most to prove that they're beautiful or wanted or whatever, um, because they feel like that's such an important aspect.
0: Yeah, I read a top line for an article that said that social media is or at least in the Facebook ecosystem is particularly toxic and detrimental to uh you know young teen girls. I can imagine uh, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that as well. I think that that's all we have. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I
1: believe it's as, as 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 detrimental for men, young young guys as well. Yeah. Which I, that's one point I do want us to focus on a little more. Like, I know we focus on the uh, benefit of esports and gaming and the value and the connectivity. Uh, but I know in 2022, I want to put more work into highlighting uh, being safe online. Um, I didn't know how rampant, um, predatory actions are for uh, young kids, young, young boys and stuff is online. Of, like the bait and switch and people uh, trying to solicit sexual activities from young kids and so se- online or uh, via playing Call of Duty or via playing Fortnite um, it's no different than being in a chat room uh, and i feel like s- some parents aren't aware of, of that that is going on um, they look at oh he's on Roblox it's okay not knowing that okay yeah he's on Roblox but then there's also like 40 50 year old guys that are here in Roblox and you know trying to chat it up and figure out where you live and all that type of stuff that uh, we need to train kids around how to survive in that, and then also uh, train parents on how to deal with it so
0: that reminded me that you know we had uh, we're trying to work on a partnership to to bring raise awareness about the dangers of of exploitation and predatory uh, i guess soliciting through gaming four-hour event back in February. Um, it was one of the, the many projects that, that we had slated, but unfortunately, like I didn't have the bandwidth, and I think at the time, you didn't have the bandwidth to sustain it, so it's just like it, we had to let it down on the vine. That's so just, that's another example of, of things that we're doing that can provide meaningful impact, but we got to have the resources to execute on it. Because you're right, it's a conversation we need to have. Yeah, we definitely do. So I think we're rolling an hour here. Uh, I don't see any new questions. Uh, shout out to Dwayne joining us. Uh, and, and again, Sean and Aziza, everybody, appreciate you. I see there's about eight of us or eight of you all still, still tuning in. So thank you for that. Uh, if you have any of the last questions, please post them in the chat. This is a great opportunity, again, because we didn't have a, a full cast this evening uh, for us to, to really connect with you all in the chat. And we've appreciated it. So thank you again, Aziza and, and Louise and everyone else joining in.
1: Thank you, Bray. We, we had a good little chat going on. I appreciate you, my brother. Oh, mm-hmm. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We're going to be rolling into Monday already. Hope the fam is good. Shout out to Red. Shout out to Chosen.
0: And we'll see you yeah, next week. Yeah, I got to go write some code. Appreciate y'all. Uh, we'll be back next week, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard, live here on LinkedIn and hopefully some other channels.
2: Central Florida's premier esports consultant for forward-thinking gamers, brands, and organizations. We create customized gaming-centric campaigns, programs, and initiatives to seamlessly support your business goals. Visit highpointgamer.com for more info.